Today is a day of jubilation at um, my house, <laughs> and I think in a lot of America, um, just I've had such anxiety about the election and coronavirus, so many different um, things going on in the world that feels like today, um, just not that any you know things are substantively different already, but it feels that way and feels like people are celebrating. Um, a chance to have a new day and that's so exciting and um, I had planned this podcast before you know I knew what what happened today and so um, I wanted to do something comforting and also something kind of typical or topical to um, the coronavirus I that I wrote um, a book that I wrote last year and before we even knew what the coronavirus was, but it was about another time in this country when people were quarantined um, because of, um, in my city, in Pensacola, um, the, the yellow fever, and it was back in the 1800s, and I had the chance to write the book Flutter, and Flutter is a fictional story, but it's, ba- it's historical fiction because it is based in 1883 um, where I lived, and I actually, after I moved to the house that I live in now, which is in the woods and surrounded by these trees that I wish, I mean, they just give me such comfort, but they're the skinniest, tallest trees in the world, (laughs) Um, longleaf pines, and um, they um, inspired this story because I wanted to, um, they just make me feel otherworldly when I'm living amongst them, and it, it made me think of what would this be like for the people who were living here, you know, a long time ago when there's even more of them. And um, so I wrote this story about a girl from my town, although she's fictional. Her name is Sylvia Dandridge, and she um, contracts both the yellow fever, which she lives through, and the scarlet fever, which, spoiler alert, though it is something that happens early in the book, she she does not live through. But... This is not really a story about, um, Flutter is called Southern, you know, Flutter Southern Gothic Fever Dream. And it is about, you know, the imagination and how a person who is constrained to a body that is quarantined, um, and is pent up in a a place without a lot of contact with people, you know, lives still, the imagination lives. And the things that she creates outlive her. And that's every writer's dream, even though it's sort of a macabre dream. <laughs> so um, I wanted to explore that and to just let the imagination go wild in the story. But I had no idea when I was writing it, you know, that we would all soon know what a quarantine was. I mean, when I remember looking it up and going, wow, that was must have been wild when my town was quarantined. I can't imagine that. And little did I know that like within a year I would be living in that circumstance. So it was very um, surreal um, experience writing that book and then publishing it and then seeing what happened. But um, I do think though that it's a very hopeful book and it does show 
Um, I mean, if you study history, we have been through things like this before. And then, you know, medication catches up. But we have to live through the current circumstances. And that's why it's so important to have good leaders who, you know, give us the correct information (laughs) of how to do that, how to get through the period until the science catches up. And so, anyway, I'm going to be reading some poems from that today from Flutter, which, you know, tell the story of Sylvia, and um, which is kind of a, it's a story in two, in two worlds, because in her imaginary world, Sylvia is um, an, a queen. I mean, she has a, a, everything that could ever happen to you in life that you would want to happen to you, um, romance, childbirth, magic, you know, she goes through all of those things because she invents it, you know, and she invents her own. She doesn't allow the circumstances of her life to dictate um, the events, the experiences that she will feel. She makes herself a world and imagination. And so it was really fun because you had no constraints in that world, you know. And um, just for example, she falls in love with an imaginary um, demon who haunts her woods, who we call the boyish bee demon, Etienne. And he, because he has powers like a bee, and in some sense, sometimes he can look like a boy, but he can also look like a bee. (laughs) He has some insect-like qualities. But he, um, and if you, um, if you're interested in this book, the art um, in the book, you can get it from my website, but um, the illustrator was Matthew Yates, and he does such a, I mean, fantastic job of drawing the boyish bee demon. <laughs> and I, I mean, I just feel so unbelievably lucky that I got to work on that book with him. But let me read a poem. I keep talking, and <laughs> anyway, I'm just in an excited mood today. It's nice to feel something encouraging about 2020. So here is Flutter, the very first poem. Flutter, estate enchantment on a lake. Alas, extends a finger, her mistake, to moths. A moonlit flutter does disguise. Their mass, a swarm, not butterflies, as maidens caught. Surprise that lands with chestnut wings on hands it covers. Modeled message sings. Its tale of death, disease, and woe. Its dark demands, details she should not know, become her veil. Surrounded, followed, fearsome flaps, human contact reduced to shrieks and gasp. The beasts she wears are tragedy. Their flitter fans all misery. From dark wings, no release. A solitude of secrets, insects utter, since she first saw death in darkness flutter. This is the first poem that I um, wrote about flutter. And um, it was during, like, I I remember when I wrote it, sometimes I write a poem and you're like, oh, that's a cool poem and all that. Other times you write a poem and you're like, 
okay, I, I've, I'm starting a world here. And you know it from the beginning. And it might take you a while to um, explore more of that world. Maybe, you know, for me, like I might be in the middle of another project or I just don't, you know, the voices aren't speaking to me yet of what this means. But when I wrote this poem, I didn't even yet know, you know, that this would be about where I lived, that it would be about Sylvia. I didn't know her name. But I knew that she had a world, and I wanted to know a lot more about it. And eventually, you know, the other poems came, and it's a, like, over 100-page book. It's a novella because I write the sonnets that you'll hear, and then there's prose that fills in more of the details. And it was just a, such a fun experience. And, in fact, um, that hybrid um, prose form of, although I'm, it's not a novella this time, I'm doing a novel that way, which is Crow Carriage, and um, I just fell in love with doing that that way. It's like I write, for a Crow Carriage, I wrote all the sonnets first, and it was like an outline of the action, and then I went back and I'm writing the prose, and I'm still doing that, and it's an adventure, you know? <laughs> And that book is a lot longer. It's already, um, right now, like 215 pages, and I still have quite a bit to go. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, it's exciting. I, I love writing so much. It brings me such joy. And, um, and thank you guys for letting me share it with you, because I love doing this podcast. Oh, by the way, this podcast, um, you know, I switched over to my own podcast channel because Gadget G closed down, and um, in doing so, um, I it's distributed, it got distributed in a lot more places, and it's on Apple Podcasts now, um, Spotify, um, lots of places, Breaker, um, so there's lots of ways you can listen to this, and I appreciate it because I've been seeing a big uptake in already in how many people are listening, and that makes me so excited, so thank you everybody because um, my passion in life is writing Shakespearean sonnets and telling stories. And so it's just, I'm living my dream to be able to talk to you guys each week. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to read you another. Um, this is a um, sonnet that I wrote called The Garden of Evolution. And this one is about when, you know, um, I think what Sylvia is going through, you know, is that she's been an invalid all her life. She's had different ailments, um, which was common at the time. Like in, in doing research for this book, uh, for example, I was reading about how deadly um, the scarlet fever was to children and how, for example, like Charles Darwin lost multiple children to the scarlet fever. I mean, you know, it's just crazy to think that, you know, it, it's a comparable feeling to what we're going through today because even scientists, you know, are like, um, they don't have an answer for us yet. And so it was very much like that. Like the, the people that were ahead of their time were as punished by these diseases back then. So anyway, um, but I think Sylvia also is contending with puberty and those drives that come at that age that even if you're, you know, sequestered and you're not around children and other, you know, young people, you know, you, you have those drives. You're still a human and you have the desire to 
um, socialize and to have romances and all those sorts of things. But she invents those in her head and, and she gives herself that chance. And the Garden of Evolution is really about um, how we all, you know, evolve, you know, into like sexually aware beings, even when we're, you know, teenagers, no matter what our circumstances are. And here's that poem. The Garden of Evolution. A season we don't speak about. Peach fuzz midsummer, follicles pushed out. Fine hair coruscated in a languid sun. Was abandoning, season done. Unaware, it is a phase. What glitters will become malaise. Bereavement, though no one has died. Just exsanguinated, calcified. From an open window whisper, countryside. They say it was a fever dream. Pores weep before a phantom teen. His platinum hair, gray-green eye. Midnight, a kiss so deep it plants a seed. They cannot fathom, won't believe. In moonbeams, boys erupting horns. A fortnight later, you are budding thorns. So what this poem is about is in Sylvia's um, kind of um, both her imagination tries to make sense of what's happening with her body, which she is has a scarlet fever that's blooming on her body. And instead of trying to see it as a bad thing, but because she knows she's changing and it's not a good change, her, body, her mind tries to um, play tricks with her and tell her that, you know, this demon figure who is coming, he has the power to bloom, a power of efflorescence, which is power of blooming things. And, and for example, in the book, he blooms deer with, um, you know, whose heads become flowers. And she thinks that he has done the same thing to her. He is turning her into a flower. And she's, it's more peaceful to her to think of that than to think that she is dying. And so she becomes, you know, romantically obsessed with that idea as much as she is with boy. And the people around her, of course, um, you, this is all much more explored in the book, but the people around her, they, um, you know, don't believe any of, they know what's happening with her. But like many children, some of them placate her. I mean, they do you want to say, oh, no, you're, you know, you might be dying. You know, they kind of placated enough that, you know, it gets oxygen in her brain, and that's what she thinks is happening to her. And so, you know, she thinks she is budding thorns instead of, you know, the pains that she's having of scarlet fever as it gets into her organs and, you know, the different things she's not able to swallow, you know, she thinks it's all because of things that are happening to her to turn her body into a flower. So it's, you know, it is very sad. But what I will say about this book is, because I already told you, her character, we know what happens to her. It was the thing that happened more than likely, you know, in that age, if you got scarlet fever, if you were a child, you, a lot of times you died. And so 
she creates all these creatures, but the, even after she's gone, all the creatures that she creates in this world, we follow them to their ends. And it's, you know, I'm really proud of that book because, um, you know, it's like, I, I, that's how I feel about um, creation is that you should leave this world with all of these, you know, many, many um, lives you have um, created for others to experience. And I don't know, I, you know, it, it's really like a love story about writing to me. But anyway, I'm going to read you another poem, and it's called um, Rose Nancy. And this is one of my favorite poems I've ever written. And it's, you know, again, a, a lot about how um, adults don't understand things with adolescence. And that's what she attributes people not under believing her um, story, her narrative she's made about what's happening to her and her body is that, you know, you know, you're adults, you don't understand, and I'm up here with my boyish bee demon, and, you know, you go on thinking what you think downstairs, but I'm having a great time. So, anyway, this is called Rose Nancy. Did he believe you were a bloom, not rashed, abashed, adolescent, doomed, entombed upstairs, crimson cheek? Viewed through cylinder glass, pistol pink. Peaked pointillism amuck by candlelight to pluck or pollinate demonic birthright. Did he see buried thorns subcutaneous to liberate like horns? Erupting furious bleeds, the season mortality recedes. Did he see himself in you? His powdered lip. A golden hue, amaretto, eyelids half closed, swallowed, oh, sorry, eyelids half closed, pollen undertaste of tulip, tuberose, swallowed demonology, a bedroom above adult gossiping, a better medicine is blossoming. And I just, that poem just makes me so happy because there's so much going on in that, you know, it is about like puberty and, and that feeling of blossoming, uh, you know, around a bunch of adults who don't understand you and, you know, whatever. But you just feel so much, you know, that desire to be um, seen in the world and to be, you know, to experience life and a lot of, you know, and she has that, whether or not she's um, an invalid and people want her to be shut in and away from people, she has that drive, you know, and I, I just think it's such a important thing to talk about. Plus, I just think that's normal, you know, that's also just puberty, and I, I've written a lot about puberty, I think, um, so... I'm writing something right now called Girlarium, and it, it deals with that same sort of feelings of, you know, when you have to separate yourself from adults. And I, I definitely understand the significance. I mean, I think anyone would. But if you have parents that you did not, um, you know, that <laughs> you didn't have a great relationship with your parents, you feel that repression and oppression so deeply at that age. And so I just think it's in my soul to talk about that because I went through that so 
um, I'll never forget it. You know, like it's just imprinted on my soul. I feel like my soul a lot is stuck in that age. So <laughs> I make use of that. But anyway, if you're interested in Flutter and learning more about this world, you can um, get a copy from my website, which is kristengarth.com, and, and you can go down to books, and then it says Flutter. And like I said, I had this awesome illustrator, Matthew Yates, who he has art from the site on his website. And I've got a link to, if you go to the Flutter page, there's a link that will bring you to his website where you can purchase art from the book. So, because um, it's just unbelievable. Like, I have some art from it hanging on my, well, now I don't because of the hurricane. My walls are all messed up right now. But when I get my walls back, I will have art back on my wall from Flutter because it's just amazing. Like, I hope for everyone who creates that you work with an artist who, you know, elevates, like, your words into something that you're like, I created this, you know, it's hard to imagine, you know, how good it feels. But anyway, I've really enjoyed sharing some poems with you and I, I wanted to have like a comforting, fluttery episode in these trying times, but today actually doesn't feel that trying to me today, even though there's nefarious forces at work in the universe still and we're still in 2020 and it's kind of hard to feel totally optimistic right now, I think things are getting better and that's such a wonderful thing to be able to say. So thank you all for listening and I hope you'll um, go find a stuffed animal and hug it tight because it's a new day <laughs> and I think we can flutter a little bit now in 2020 and I'm, it makes me, I just feel like a, a, a new person and re-energized and thank you all for listening to my podcast and I will see you next week on Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Have a great night. Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime. Thank